Hey guys, it's Evan from Empire State Conservatives Podcast. Just reminding you to check us out on Instagram at GetRedPillNY, on Facebook at Empire State Conservatives, on YouTube at Empire State Conservative Network, on Twitter at Empire State Cons, and on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overwatch at Empire State Conservatives Podcast. And make sure you check out our store for all snowflake melting merch at EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com slash store. Enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Empire State Conservatives Podcast. It is me, your host, Evan, with the all-American conservative, Solomon Tack, here to tickle your political pickle and expose leftist arrangement and motivate you to get off your ass and fight back against evil Emperor Cuomo. Today, we have on two very special guests, the hosts of the Urban Conservative Podcast, the Soto Brothers. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. You got it. You got it. Before we get started, I would like you guys to kind of just give a little bit of a background on how you started your podcast, where you guys, and how you guys ended up being conservatives. Because as I know you guys grew up in New York, and just like me and Tack, it is very rare to have conservatives in New York, especially ones who are willing to speak out. Well, bro, I'll let you, I'll let you take that. <laughs> All right. So to put a long, make a long story short, uh, we started the podcast uh, a little while back as a means to kind of try to educate folks from an urban perspective about what being a conservative is and to show people that you can still be who you are and have conservative ideas. Uh Uh, We started out, you know, we actually grew up majority of our lives separated, you know, as what we like to call participants in the liberal left's family social services system of the 80s and 90s, you know, well, late 80s, early 90s, we grew up as a result of that. Um, one of the things that my brother always says this about, about us is that for all intents and purposes, we should be the angry, liberal, angry at the white guy guys. And that's just not how things turned out. And, uh, bro, you want to kind of give them a little bit more than that? Yeah. So, so what we did was we took a, a long journey. It took us about 12, 13 years of intense study, um, putting certain other beliefs to the side that led us to be conservative. Um, one of the things we noticed we were confronted with realizing that language played a part in our thinking structure, like our language game. So as we started to study language, we started to discover that what we were saying didn't match up with what we actually thought. So the more we studied, the more we studied, we, uh, what we call them as schools of thought. We went into each, what some people would call religions. We went into each school of thought, the historicity, the development of, of, of America from a non-Westernized educational philosophy, meaning we looked at the economic history, we look at the legal history, we look at the political history, not just the general history. And once we did that, we were confronted with the reality of politics, which led us to look at things like who was really in charge of slavery, who was really pro-slavery, who was against slavery. And all of those things, long story short, uh, once you do that, you know, self, uh, uh, that, that self-analysis and you really study you, you end up where you end up on, on the side of the spectrum that we ended up was we found out we're conservative Republicans. We're both uh, elected to committees in our respective areas in Suffolk County. I, I sit on the Southampton Town GOP committee as well as the Suffolk County GOP committee. Uh, my brother serves in Cabarrus County. So that that's, you know, in a nutshell, kind of how we got to where we're at. I mean, it's a long drawn out thing, but that's the short version. And I love that you guys brought up language because we talk about it all the time. It comes down to words, and the Democrats like to twist words, and they like to use buzzwords like assault rifle and imminent threat and existential threat and all these things and calling people Nazis and fascists. And when you break that down and you get past that, you realize that they're all they're full of crap, essentially. And it's any logical person who really believes in the founding principles of this country, you can't not be a conservative. It's impossible especially the, the direction the Democrats have gone. But let's get this thing going here. So big day today, acquittal day, President Trump acquitted forever, forever Nancy Pelosi. He is no longer impeached. He is now acquitted forever. MAGA man is back on track after such a nonsense impeachment. This thing went exactly how we all thought it would, especially when it comes to that rhino Mitt Romney who did Joseph Smith proud and made everyone pissed off at him. So, How dare you? Tack, what? Ah, come on. Like, 
are you just happy this is over, or do you have anything else you need to say about impeachment? Because we're yeah. getting rid of this today. This is the end of impeachment. I'm I'm so happy it's over. The the normal public has no clue how expensive court processes are, and how it, how much money actually came out of the taxpayer's pocket just for a sham impeachment. This is uh, travel for not only Senate members, but travel for the lawyers, travel for the witnesses, travel for whoever was involved. This is their hotel fees. This is allowing them to eat off of taxpayer money. And when you have lawyers and you have witnesses and and, um, people like that, they get paid not by the hour. They set up fees. They use something called curriculum vitae's that shows that what their what they, their resume is and based off of that resume they're expecting to get paid $3000 a day they're expecting to get paid $300 just for a telephone consult for a 20 minute telephone consult i'm in so, the wrong area of work. <laughs> oh my god so am i ready am i glad that it's over damn right i'm glad it's over and then my second point is now Trump actually sees how it feels to, to come over. They said Bill Clinton was black. Let's talk about this most discriminated against president. Welcome to how we feel <laughs> when it comes to quote unquote discrimination. Hey, I'm a good Jew. job on an acquittal. on me, Tag. Okay, 5,000 years they've been trying to take us out. Welcome. Good job on acquittal, President Trump, and congratulations. Uh, Raheem? <laughs> Uh, to be honest with you, this this is how I feel about it. I feel like how dare the you? Entire process, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it, but I've spent mind-numbing amounts of hours watching this. I, I like I expressed to my brother, uh, I've never watched as much uh, process. All right, in my life, I've never. Uh, none of us can recall watching an entire State of the Union. I don't care who y'all. <laughs> all right, no one sat in front of the television from beginning to end. So to see him acquitted, um, and, and it's bittersweet though, because what happens is, is you now start to see the real delusion on the left, which is you ask for a process, you get the process. There's a process laid out. You try to you try to manipulate the game. You try to manipulate the process. That fails. You create lies, uh, lies, room, and in, rumors, and innuendo. That fails. Uh, you, you try everything in the book, and when it fails, I just think it's going to make them a lot more desperate moving forward. So I'm happy. I'm happy, uh, beyond happy that that he's acquitted. But I think it's a it's a it, it's a silver lining on a dark cloud that's coming because I think this this may infuriate the left more. You know, at this point. Um, so you know, uh, again, I'm glad it, 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 he's acquitted, and and you know. Good job to the senators, and I and I want to send a special shout out to Lee Zeldin uh, for my district. He was part of the defense team, so big shouts out to Lee Zeldin. Uh, and He's you know, my congrats people, on, though, on the yes. win, Ali. So I, I'm gonna because y'all have pretty much said everything <laughs> that I think needs to be said, but there's there's one point that I think we kind of are are missing out on here, and that is what the brother Tack was saying is that millions upon millions upon millions of dollars of taxpayer money Mm. out the window. Forget talking about fighting the opioid epidemic. Forget about talking about dollars to fight human trafficking. Forget talking about dollars to support law enforcement in places like Chicago and Baltimore. Forget talking about money, you know, Nancy Pelosi and these people actually benefiting their district. Forget all of that. You know, that's the stuff that I think goes under the radar that it's really sad you know, that somebody who has done so much good, whether you like the man's tweets, whether you like the way inconsequential, unimportant to the fact that the man's getting the job done. So, you know, just to reiterate on top of what y'all said, I think that it was a great job by the, uh, by the defense. I think that uh, the Senate did the right thing and not allowing witnesses to be called because like my brother said, y'all had that process. You should have followed that process. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if it were any one of us and that was a court proceeding, where, you know, they did what they did to him in a different way to one of us, we would be absolutely livid. So I think that, man, I, I, I'm, I'm glad it's over. And I'm glad that folks are going to, should get back to the business of taking care of what's, what's right for their districts and for their constituents. So great job, President Trump. Fantastic job on behalf of, uh, you know, for the defense. And uh, 
Sorry for you, Democrats. <laughs> Sorry for you. Yeah, and they played their game. You know, they tried to pull this nonsense where how could you not call witnesses in a trial? And then you hear it repeated by people in the street. It's like, no, no, it's not. We're not calling witnesses. We're not calling additional witnesses. Because when it comes to us, you're supposed to have your case ready. And they didn't have their case ready. And their closing statements were just straight up lies. The fact that a Democrat ever tries to defend the Constitution is just absolutely disgusting. I almost wanted to vomit. But there's a there's a congresswoman. If you see, there were some reactions to that, uh, to the defense. And I forget what the lady's name was. I, I can't recall her name offhand, but she said, you know, whatever nice little legal constitutional, you know, take your little constitutional defense. That's really the left doesn't care about the Constitution. They don't care. But the whole thing is based off of the Constitution. Right. That's what, that's what the left doesn't understand. But you guys talked about the great job that President Trump is doing, and we're going to segue that right into the State of the Union, which I think is possibly one of Donald Trump's greatest speeches that he has ever given. This thing was absolutely amazing. I watched in two separate segments. I watched two two separate hour segments of this thing, and it was unbelievable. And he did two things. He made everyone feel much better about him as a president because he came off extremely presidential, which is not something Donald Trump does all the time. He usually comes off as a very strong leader, but not that kind of diplomat that you also would like to see in a president. He wasn't Reagan. He hasn't been Reagan-esque. He hasn't been, you know, reminding you of those great people who didn't need to do everything by force. But he did that last night. And he also made the Democrats essentially shoot themselves right in the foot. So for those of you who didn't watch, Donald Trump, President Trump, sorry, brought up the fact that we have the lowest black unemployment in the last 50 years, the lowest Latino unemployment, the lowest female unemployment. The Republicans stood up and cheered. And every single one of those hateful little pieces of garbage wearing white in the Democratic Party just sat in their chairs with a puss on their face. Nancy Pelosi looked like she was wasted the entire time. I couldn't take my eyes off of her. She looked like she was stone cold drunk. And the fact that she stood up at the end and ripped the speech in half is a, such a referendum on the Democratic Party. People are like, oh, you know, you have some people go, oh, well, you know, it's so, yeah, Trump deserved that. No, you talk, they talk about Trump like he's this petulant child. And then you act like petulant children throughout the entire speech. So, Tag, how damaging is this to the Democratic Party, you know, in terms of a public image? It's extremely damaging. Um, and we know... We saw Nancy act like children. We've seen a, a great majority of them act like children um, from moment to moment, you know. Uh, one of my most enjoyable parts of the State of the Union was the slap in the face to AOC and to Bernie Sanders and to all of those far left communist socialists. And that's when he gave the legitimacy, took the legitimacy away from Maduro and said, hey, I have the rightful Venezuelan president seated right here (laughs) watching me as I'm giving my speech. So watching that actually made me want to stand up and and applaud as if I was actually there. Like the energy was was nuts. But um, one minute. (laughs) What I what I really want to hit on is the fact that Ilhan and Rashida Tlaib refused to stand up when they when Trump spoke about the um the Tuskegee Airmen and one of the videos that I put up on my Instagram last night I was speaking about surrogate warfare and what surrogate warfare is is you have foreign powers foreign bodies that will prop up their own politicians inside of a, a government inside of their enemy government They'll use uh, social media. They'll use normal mainstream media to their benefits. And then the main part, the main power move they try to use is they find a group of people to exploit and to use to push their agenda and to push their narrative. And one of the biggest things you see right now is those people that stand up and they say, I stand in solidarity with all of the, the black and brown and indigenous people of the world and dot, 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 dot. And in that video, I brought up the fact that Martin Luther King was a civil rights leader, but he was pulled into speaking against the war in Vietnam. And it made it look like 
he was siding with the communist sympathizers and the flag burners and the people that were dodging the draft when that's not what he believed in. What he believed in was bringing peace for the people throughout the world. <clears throat> and those of us who want to stand up in solidarity with the, the black and the brown and indigenous peoples throughout the world, now we see what happens when you do that because those Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan refused to stand up with one of our greatest, most positive and influential historical leaders or, or historical personalities, which would have been the, the Tuskegee Airmen. Raheem? Well, a uh, couple, couple of things inside of that to unpack. Um, with the, with, as far as surrogate warfare is concerned, we're dealing with the evolution of mayhem here. We're, we're dealing with how humanity is evolving means to harm itself. All right, this is, we're, we're talking literally science here. Um, humans, as a, as a, to me, as a, as a group, as a collective, we've, we've got this, uh, in, this labeling thing. Like, we, we, we like these groups. We like being in groups so much. We like, to, we like to group up and create subgroups within the group. So it's not, to me, it's not a shock that uh, they're inventing and finding ways to psychologically manipulate people for uh, nefarious purposes in the end result. But one of the things that I think uh, is, is I think we might be understating as conservatives how effective we're actually being. Because when you, when you, when you discover that it takes a little bit of critical thinking, it takes a lot of honesty, but a little bit of critical thinking and a whole lot of honesty to say, hey, wait a minute. I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. I'm not going to be manipulated. Uh, I'm not going to allow my feelings through media manipulation to be manipulated. Um, and, and I think we're really coming to that, that awareness and that awakening. Um, I, I'm not all doom and gloom about it, but I, I am aware of, of, you know, there's some great books on surrogate warfare uh, that, that have came out. And, and the techniques are, if you, if you want to talk from a military perspective, there's some amazing things in there that'll let you know about psychology that you didn't know that were being used against you. That's one of the things that we like to educate people about. What you don't know can and will hurt you, especially when it comes to politics. How so dare you? So you find out, um, you know, things like colors, things like uh, uh, the amount of chemicals in food, the amount of the, the type of TV How dare you? All of these things and a lot more play a big role in how you're manipulated. So... You know, um, I, I think it's scary, but I think we're headed in a positive direction as a as a human family um, because we're able to do things like this. So that you know, that's kind of my take on it. Ali, well, a couple of things. I the the State of the Union itself. I watched it on my way back. I was uh shouts out to the entire Blexit team. Shouts out to Candace Owen. Shouts out to Pierre Wilson, the national brand director. Uh, my homegirl, Danielle Robinson, who's the state director for North Carolina and the whole team. I'm actually the assistant state director for Bledsoe, North Carolina. On my way back, I'm listening to the State of the Union address driving down the highway, right? And I'm listening and, and I could not believe good news after good news after good news after good news. Back to back to back. We're winning. We're winning. We're winning. We're doing yo, great. Yo, We're Ali, great. Ali, real quick. I don't mean to cut you off because I didn't touch sure. you on that. All I simply want to say is that was the greatest state of the union in history. So I didn't speak on that, but hands down, I've never in my entire life watched an entire state of the union ever. And I watched it from beginning to end. So I didn't touch on that. I touched on the surrogate warfare, but for me, this and uh, as far as P with Pelosi's concerned, her ripping that up, y'all got to realize who the real racist is. Mm -hmm. if, it's it's mind-boggling to be black, minority, whatever term you want to give yourself, and then say the lady ripped up the speech, the piece of paper that honored these black people. You know, like. You, so I, I'm, I'm, oh, bro, bro, I was going there, mind blown. The, the difficulty for me is I was listening to it. I wasn't watching, right? So when I get back home and I'm watching, and you know, like I know everybody, if it was a Democratic president, all the Republicans would sit and all the Democrats would stand. We know how the game goes. But there are some things, in my opinion, that transcend party, that transcend politics. The Tuskegee Airmen, the young lady who got that opportunity scholarship, 
I was going to say that. They wouldn't even stand for a little girl who got a scholarship. <laughs> it's insane. I can't hissing. wrap my they brain were around it. at one point, hissing at the president. No, you know what I realized? And, I, and this is going to sound crazy, but you know what I realized? And, and I'll say this publicly. I realize how much I don't like N-word stuff. We would say it differently. I don't know if I could curse on here, but I I cannot stand N-word stuff. And what I mean by that is there's a face that you make, and it's, it's ignorant. And they were making that face, though, mm-hmm. as he's delivering good news. <laughs> So I'm sitting there saying to myself, I'm saying these are the people that have the highest blood pressure. These are the people with the highest diabetes. These are the people with the most to complain about. When we start mm-hmm. looking at the black community and we start asking some questions, who's dying the most from high blood pressure? It's not white guys. Yep. It's, not, it's not white women. We start asking who's dying from diabetes the most. So my thing is when somebody's giving you good news after good news after good news and you're in there with the, you would argue with anybody about anything at this point. That's what I'm and, and, and one of one of the things that I find interesting, and and we saw the aftermath on the urban conservative um, Facebook pages. We started putting up these memes. We actually have black people who in in let's let's just be real. Let's cut to the chase. Black people in this country have said we want equal opportunity. We want to make more money. We want better jobs. We want to own businesses. We want black, historically black colleges and universities to be supported the same way other colleges and universities are supported. All of those things get accomplished. Now you've got to tell me the person who accomplished those things for your community is a racist? The, the, <laughs> I, the very idea that more black babies are killed in the womb, that the idea that homicide is one of the number one causes of death of African Americans, mm-hmm. and the very people who are trying to solve these illnesses, you would defend the people that are exacerbating or making your problem worse. So, so it's, I find it, I find it, just mind-boggling the response we've seen on the part of some die-hard liberals about this State of the Union thing, which, and I concur with you guys, was probably the greatest State of the Union I've heard since I've been able to listen to them. Right, taxi, we got to say, and then I'm going to chime in. One of the one of the funny things that I wanted to say is uh, who what what's the what animal hisses? What animal is known the most for hissing? It's snakes. A snake. Snakes. Exactly. So one of the things that we now are aware of is we've actually got snakes in the grass. They're sitting there hissing mm. when somebody's telling you you you've made major strides forward. You've made actual real accomplishments. You know what's crazy, Tash? You know what's crazy about that? And I could unpack that, them hissing. I could unpack that in a manner. We're calling them snakes, right? It makes sense. So so 84, 85% of these people on the left are black. Mm-hmm. We agree with that, right? Everybody agree? Yep. Sure. sure okay. Majority of them are Christians. We agree mm-hmm. on that. Yep. So Allegedly. Allegedly, right? <laughs> but it, it, So when I unpack it, it, it goes like this. They're hissing because they're representing the bad parts of their religion. See, in the, mm-hmm. in the beginning, it was a serpent, and then he hissed in Eve's ear. Mm-hmm. So, so I could unpack this, and they don't even realize, symbolically, them hissing like that, and it's worse than they think. <laughs> like, but I, I'll leave that alone. I just, I just wanted, <laughs> that's how we get deep on the urban conservative. I, think I like the, that. <laughs> the big thing we really need to look at for this is the Democrats on a national stage showed something we already knew, but they showed the people that they hate President Trump more than they care about any of their constituents. Because if you claim to be for black and brown people, and the president is doing all these great things for black and brown people, and you won't even, not even stand up. Listen, you don't want to stand up, that's fine. But to not even clap or show any emotion when the people who you claim to try to be helping are being helped, that just shows you hate the president more than you care about what you're supposed to be doing in Washington. And it's just absolutely horrific that people are still going to vote for people like this, that they're so petulant and they're just so just immature about everything to sit there mm-hmm. and to just not even not honor a 100 year old World War Two veteran who fought for a country that was segregated when he came home from fighting. 
but still went over there and fought for this country because he understood what it meant to be an American. And he understood that while we weren't perfect, this was still the greatest place in the world to live. And Vietnam well, and Korea. Right. These people are sick. They are just well, Evan, you don't, don't forget, and, and let's, let's be, because let's, part of being conservative is being right. It was one Democratic senator who clapped, and uh, she's catching flack. I believe it was the senator from Arizona. She Okay, so what? But that's a purple so, state, so she's got to do what she got to do. I give her credit. Well, you know, well, so, but I, I don't want to we, we, we yeah, wow. generalize. Let me, let, me, let me throw this one thing in here, though. And, and one of the things we focus in on the urban conservative is a lot of times the issues that are really impacting urban communities and places like New York City, Baltimore, Chicago, these people are literally the complete opposite. The policies that they advocate for literally produce the exact opposite of what the average black and brown person in America wants to see for themselves. Mm-hmm. The evidence that they don't care, and I and I, I saw this on Facebook somewhere, while her ripping up that, she ripped up and ripped apart that 100-year-old, that young lady, all the people whose families have died, you know, have family members that died from, uh, you know, people in the country illegally who have committed crime. That should be a crystal clear signal to everybody whose freckles are as close together as mine that these people don't care about anything else other than their own power. That's all they care about. Wow. But we've seen it, and their policies never. We talk about this all the time. Democratic policies always produce garbage. Look at Detroit, look at Chicago, look at Baltimore, look at New York City right now. Look at the look entire at state of California. The entire state of California. <laughs> every, major, every major city in California. It's, they, it's, it's mind-boggling. Right. I, I don't know, like, I really just don't understand it. And the evidence is right in front of people's faces. They just refuse to see it. Well, a, a p- part of this is is this this cult of intellectuals who run the college system. There's a there's a, a real cohesive unit of intellectuals who but they feel lie. like but they, they feel like lie. they have the recipe for humanity. They feel like if like like we common folk are not allowed to think for ourselves and they know what's best for us and let them do all the thinking because, you know, we didn't get a, a liberal arts degree or we didn't get a, a degree in communication, mm-hmm. uh, what is it, a piezoelectric communication or some, some compilation of adjectives to make you sound professional. Uh, I'm, I'm a mobile device technician. Uh, is a cell phone <laughs> operator? Uh, you say, like, whatever happened to that? <laughs> so, but one of the things we state with language, and, and I harp on this, and I, and I challenge you guys, let's do, it, let's do it right now. What's more important to you guys? Your, do your, well, what controls what? Do your words control your thoughts, or do your thoughts control your words? Tack first. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm in the, the legal realm, right? Okay. So, in theory, my thoughts should be controlling my words. I should hear what you say. I should think through it. And then I should have a response right after. It should, should be something that's quick and witty and can pretty much undermine everything that you came at me with. Right? Okay. Okay. But when I leave from work and I hang my, my suit up and everything's put in the closet, if I'm in Walmart and somebody says something to me, <laughs> you know, the wrong way, impulse more often control than not, <laughs> impulse control. So, That's so something we why, talk about all the time. <laughs> impulse. Here's, here's why I ask that question because part of our, our teacher mechanism is to get people to understand that first off, you can't even have a thought without a word. I'll wait. Try mm-hmm. to have a thought without a word, then tell me what you're thinking about. I'll wait. You won't be able to do it. So your thought process is irrelevant. It is the language that determines the thought because you can't think without a word. So now, once we get this simple concept that Mm -hmm. your, your language literally creates your reality, and I don't mean actual reality, like us talking is not creating a cup of coffee, right? But when I say it's literally creating your reality, it's shaping your paradigm. So your language is paramount in understanding the world we live in. And I just, I, I, I do that exercise wow. with people because I have some people that get to the point where they go, uh, uh, 
Words control, my thoughts control my words. Okay, think of something without a word. Think of something and then tell me what you thought about. And I'll give you, and Kyle, let me, let me tack this example on. We, are, we in North Carolina had a great Blexit kickoff. 900-something people at the Fillmore. Fantastic event, right? We get attacked by the North Carolina Democratic Party. And the language, right? Literally, the language they used, Evan and Tack, they said, Blexit is a fringe organization started by a far-right provocateur. Now, to the average person that hears that, they just, that slides by. Oh, yeah, she's a provocateur. Not knowing that the whole thing is, we, and we unpacked this on the show. You can go back and look on our show and see how we unpacked it. Where we ended up finding out is that the people on the left and the Democrats literally want you to equate thinking for yourself as a criminal act. Mm-hmm. They literally want you to think that thinking for yourself is tantamount to being a criminal. That's what we got. We got a group of people who essentially don't want you to think for yourself. Uh, uh, um, one thing we like to do on the Urban Conservative is we like to give people direction where they can go to look this stuff up. If you have not read the book Intellectuals and Race by Thomas Sowell, you have missed a huge part of being able to put this puzzle together. So make sure for all the folks that are listening to this and watching this, go get the book Intellectuals and Race by Thomas Sowell. You will then understand what my brother meant by the cult of intellectuals. Because intellectuals, see, it's not like us where we wake up every day, we get in a tow truck, we go tow cars, or you get up every day and you sew shirts, or you get up every day and you run a business. Intellectuals, sole thing is they have nothing to lose. Their their products start and end with ideas. If an idea is bad, a society crumbles, can crumble behind that idea, and they don't take a loss. So the idea that and I, I was just at Appalachian State last night. Uh, shout out to Pierre Wilson, National Brand Director. We got to get more conservative people in the education system, in the college education system. We mm-hmm. have to. Because what's happening, a lot of people don't know about the Imagine America organization. Not, not a lot. Glenn Beck did a great expose on Imagine America. These people are trying to re, re, have revisionist history. One of the most damaging books that was ever put out was A People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. Horrible. But this leftist, revisionist history is being taught on college campuses across the country. So, and and to sum it all up, put a nice little bow on it, like like ABL would say, a little bow on top of it. We got to do a better job of getting conservatives into the education system, into the- And elected, and elected. With that said, and elected. We got to, especially here in New York- we got to get some conservative Republicans elected, period, point blank, in the story. Yeah. And what this all comes down to, and you guys, we talked about surrogate warfare, we talked about language. It all comes down to this leftist idea of, in, in, uh, of identity politics. So this is how you're going to go. You're black or brown, you must side with every black or brown person because you're all victims. So now that we're all victims, we all have to ban, band against whitey. And this is what they've done. And they've been very successful up until now. And now people are starting to push back because they realize that these people are full of crap. Yeah, they say they things did like, a focus you know, we group. Gotta, uh, one, on, one of our Blexit guys, Rob, one of our Blexit guys participated in a focus group last week. Ten African-American men in the room and they asked a question. How many of y'all think Donald Trump is a racist? Guess how many hands went up in the room? Ten. Not a one. <laughs> Zero. It was the opposite, nah, of, I and, guess. No, and, what, and the reason for that is people are starting, we're starting to get out there. One of the things, Evan, we talk about, and I think as conservatives, and, and especially I'm going to make the distinction between the conservative ideology worldview and the Republican Party for just a minute. We're going to separate those two things for just a minute. The idea that conservative values and principles are really what gave this country its greatness, whether it was called conservatism at that point or not. But the idea that you work hard, you, you don't have babies before you, you know, before you uh, get married, you, you get a job, you finish high school, you, you be a good upstanding citizen, you know, you respect your elders, you help old ladies across the street, you, you think about things other than yourself. Those ideas have been converted into, we've been told that these are evil principles that old, fat, rich, white men think like that. 
And by and large, what we find, and I'm, and we're finding this out as we get out on the road with Blessed and different organizations, we're finding out that a lot of black and brown people have those same uh, uh, values. It's just that we've not done a great job as conservatives of getting out there and making it tangible for people. So, well, bro, bro, hold on. Before you go there, I also want to throw this out there to the, to the point. We got to stop this we thing, okay? Because it's technically an error. Because people are look similar in tone, doesn't put us in the same group, okay? All it's skin biologically folk. impossible, all right? It's biologically impossible at this point. Every If we go through someone's lineage, we don't find one thing. I'm pretty sure we all know this. We don't find one thing. Excuse you, you me, I am 100% European Jewish. I am one thing. Okay, but even in that, right? If, if, we, if we, we say Jewish is not a race, right? So, so, and European is a country. Those are, so when we start to define what you mean by race, we, the concept falls apart. It doesn't stand up to the slightest bit of scrutiny. The word race. In Europe, they have Northern Europeans who say they're different than Southern Europeans racially. So the word race, and we did a whole video on this two hour breakdown of what race is, and it is a flimsy criteria to identify by. It's flimsy at best because me and Tack have the same skin tone virtually, but he could be from another part of the world. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to group together, me and Tack, we got to stick together, brother, because we look alike. <laughs> but but I'm, I have, you could be from the suburbs, you could be from a farm, a rural area. I can, we can have zero in common, but the, the, the thing we think that's binding us, and I'm supposed to ride with you. So this is what we get. How, how y'all support Trump? Are you black, man? You don't understand? I'm like, yo, do you understand who you're talking to? Do you understand what it's like to exactly. grow up in group homes? Do you understand what it's like to be abused as a child? Do you understand what it's like to be told you'll never be nothing? So then you're supposed to tell me I'm supposed to stick with you, who most of the people who ever got me in trouble look like you, <laughs> and the people <laughs> who told me not to do the wrong thing didn't look like you. So, so we run into that dynamic where race is a flimsy criteria, and we got to start to get away from this we thing. Hey, so let me let me tack one thing on. on. Let the me, only binding thing I think at this point for us should be Americans. Humans. Sure. And Rod, let me let me tack this in just for anybody who wants to really find a contemporary example that black and white don't mean anything. Was a young man that moved to the United States, came to the United States from Ethiopia. He wanted to take advantage of some of the uh, what we like to call uh, what, what do you call it. Uh, affirmative action programs, right? He wanted to take advantage of these African or these programs. The problem was, even though he's black as midnight, black as the ace of spades in skin color, he's technically white. They classified him as white because in tap, you in the legal world, you know this. The federal definition of, of, of white is descended from any of the peoples of Europe or Northern Africa. North Africa, yep. So, and for those who don't believe this, for those who don't believe this, because we always add proof, please visit the CDC website and pull up the race appendix E. You're going to see who's listed under white and black. So now for all of y'all listeners, go to the CDC website in the search bar, type in race appendix E, and then you will see a list. It says who's black, who's white. When you see Egyptian is white. (laughs) (laughs) According to the federal government, uh-huh. Egyptians white. So, so that to say, we got to get rid of this idea of we as a, a group of people based on the amount of skin surface melanin you have. That's not a we thing. We should be defined by shared values, shared principle, shared uh-huh. culture, shared you know, language. Humanity and nationality is what we're saying. You know what I'm saying, guys? We're saying America, like, like I met Evan, we're Americans. I didn't... I, he could say he's Jewish. I like I, that's fine. I one of the things as a conservative I believe in is it's nobody's business what you do in the privacy of your own home. So I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're bi. I don't, I, there's no need for you to tell me. I don't share it with me. I'm not going to promote that I'm heterosexual to you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not. So so you know I think this is this these things kind of bind us together more than they should separate us. And I think hey hey Rob, let me throw something no. in here. Let me throw something in here. Just a quick plug. Shout out to everybody that served in the army. I I wish we could bring back don't ask don't tell. I wish we could bring that back. 
That was the greater, and that's my, my, my philosophy in the business world and my brother and I's philosophy is, look, I'm not going to ask. You don't need to tell me. I don't care. Yeah. So what's, what's funny going up along the race issue is according to my DNA, I'm Nigerian, I'm Norwegian, and I'm Irish. <laughs> so if I'm talking about my people, am, tech. <laughs> <laughs> so if I'm saying my people, you know what I mean, then who is my people? Who am I allowed to talk about and who am I not allowed to talk about when you I'm You got to stand up for all them oppressed people. Norwegians, brother. <laughs> Dude, that N-word you dropped a few episodes ago now looks really bad. Well, you know you know what's interesting, Tack, about that is is you just dropped a bombshell, though. So now you, you do realize how crazy everybody looks when they're in these groups together and it's like, yo, bro, you, you didn't even take the DNA test. So, so we in this group so race is one of the things, and this is how flimsy the criteria is. It includes culture. So a race is defined by culture, language. Not, it's not exclusive to biochemistry. So these are the things that we teach. Because if you think race is exclusive to biochemistry, you'll look at somebody tan or somebody that has you know, a certain type of eyes, and you'll go, that, and, and I'm that, so we're that. It's, it's deeper than that. Race is defined as culture. So what, the, what they're meaning without knowing is because we represent, quote unquote, hip hop culture, we share slang. So I could say something to some. So now we that that's the, the, the part of the race that they're talking about. But they don't realize that that's called culture. Mm -hmm. That's not race. They use the word race there. But you, you're saying we in the same cultural group, meaning hip hop, pop music. OK, whatever. Great. Got you. No problem. But the minute you cross that imaginary line into biochemistry, then it falls apart. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You ever met a Nigerian Viking? <laughs> I have now. Look, I have now. <laughs> That's good. All That's right, good. guys. Let's move on to the last subject for today. Uh, you guys brought this up when I was on your show. I felt <laughs> that we really needed to bring this up. Sesame Street apparently thinks it's a good idea to bring Billy Porter on as a special guest for a special episode. For those of you who don't know Billy Porter, he's the thing or whatever it is that wore a tuxedo dress to some award show that I don't care about. But this really is speaking more to this leftist ideal that we need to push every subgroup onto children and their whole theory of get them while they're young. Same thing with all these kids who go, I want to be a princess. Oh, you want to be a princess, but you're a boy. Oh, you must want to be a girl. It's this insane thing that they're trying to push, and they're trying to grab a hold of the culture really early. I mean, I remember Sesame Street. It was Oscar the Grouch. It was The Count. It was Elmo. You know, that's what it was. It was teaching you things, as opposed to pushing some weird sexuality nonsense on them. And Tack, I know you have a bunch of kids in your house now about to have another one is sesame street now just off the table uh it is for me <laughs> very very honestly speaking there's a lot of things that's that's off the table um when my son was first born i was like gung-ho on bringing them to the library and like higgles books and and this is your this is what's going to help propel you to the future i believe in in reading um, at the most two books a month, and at the very least, of course, one. Uh, and with that being said, once they started doing the whole drag queen story hour, I was like, nope. If I ever see that on the, the library near me, if I ever see that on their, their docket, I don't know what they would call it, but uh, I'm deaf, I'm standing out there, I'm, I'm writing councilmen, I'm writing whoever I need to write in order to get that canceled out because it is nobody else's place to force anybody's ideals on sexuality onto my children. And this is what I was talking about when I went into Mount Sinai hospital and on the, the day of Sabbath is supposed to be a Jewish hospital. You're forced, you're still forcing people to look at the pride flag on the, the coffee sleeves for your, your coffee cup. So you don't burn your fingers off. And this isn't, the ideals of the people that frequent that hospital. You're mm. forcing it on somebody. My ideals is, is to let my kids be kids and develop them um, mentally, develop them spiritually, and build up all of their pillars that's going to take them through life. And it has nothing to do with developing their, their, and honing their sexual skills while they're still minors. 
And that's what I see uh, Sesame Street doing. They have no business doing it. Raheem? Where to start with this one? Wow. Um, <laughs> so, so here's what I'll say. A couple of things that we got to uh, debunk, if you will. Um, there's this idea that there's this gay agenda against the black man, right? And one of the things we pride ourselves is is uh, observing history, being being objective observers of history. Gay is nothing new, okay? There's nothing new about men dressing like women. Mm-hmm. There's nothing new about men wearing dresses. There's nothing new about men wearing makeup and, and impersonating females. It was a point in history where uh, pre-Christianity, that the majority of the deities on the planet that were worshipped were females, okay? Mm-hmm. So the idea of female worship or the idea, you see it present in, in Japanese culture and Chinese culture, they're very effeminate in their, in their dress. And a lot. So my point is, there's nothing new about that. And I'm not making the claim that there's this agenda to, to sexualize specifically black children. I don't subscribe to that. What I do subscribe to is that there is a consciously or unconsciously grouped together group of people who share an idea, who share a lifestyle, and have positioned themselves into positions to promote said lifestyle. I think it's our job to do equally that on the the opposing end. So what I'm saying is, Who's created the alternative to Sesame Street? What's the conservative alternative to Sesame Street? What is the, what is the alternative to PBS? Mm-hmm. What happened to monitoring to what your children watch? What happened to being responsible parents? So I'm, am I mad that he's coming on there? No. Am I shocked that he's coming on there? Mm-mm. No. Um, I think what's happened with companies like Sesame Street that, that, are really based on television as that old television model died, they have to find something. They have to find their way in this digital environment. They start to realize some wise guy in the marketing department goes, hey, you know, going viral is a thing. You know, shock value to the kid. So I feel like there was some some numb nuts in the, in the marketing meeting that was like, you know, we should shock the world and bring this up. It'll bring a lot of attention to Sesame Street. Because I started to go back and look through all the episodes and I started to realize though Sesame Street was a little liberal. The the little ideas Mm -hmm. were very liberal. However, I walked away with morals that weren't had, there was not one sexual episode in the 12 or 13 hours of footage that I scrubbed through. I didn't see any any, uh, uh, references to sex outside of, I think there was one episode about being touched the wrong way, something, something to that effect, or something like. And I don't even think that was Sesame Street. It might have, it might not have been. But my point is, is that we can't expect anything different. You know, that that this guy, he does not represent uh, a large majority of black men. He represents a small group of people with inside of a group of people inside of a larger group. So, you know, I think it's unfortunate that the, the executives at Disney made this decision uh, at uh, Sesame Street have made the decision to, to air something like that. I think it's unfortunate. It's their right to do such. I think it's disgusting personally. I don't let my kids watch Sesame Street. Not one of my children have ever seen Sesame Street um, post like what, when we grew up, because it just went left field. Like some of the songs, some of the, mm-hmm. the, the, the dress code, I just, I wasn't comfortable with any of my kids watching that. So, you know, in a nutshell, I, I just think it's weird. I think it's unacceptable and my children will never watch it. So, you know, but it's not shocking in, in 2020, it's not shocking. No, and, and I'm not shocked about it, but I will say this, when I saw it, it kind of made me have a new take on the Sesame Street theme song where they said the air is sweet. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what that <laughs> means. What are we talking about sweet air here? Now, now here's my problem. Here's what my take is on this, right? They build Billy Porter as an LGBT activist. That's what the Sesame Street thing, LGBT activist. So is a lesbian, you define yourself as a lesbian, that is nothing else other than how you have sex, okay? Mm-hmm. Yay. Nothing to do with anything else other than how you have sex. Bisexual. Nothing to do than other than how you have sex. Transgenders. Usually a transgender man, air finger quote, which becomes a woman, is attracted to the other one. It's all about sex. 
My problem is that we have we have allowed in our country. See, we we have this word called tolerance. Okay, we were told, oh, you got to tolerate. You got to be tolerant. You got to be you know careful and tolerate other people and be respectful of their culture and respect their lifestyle and you got to be tolerant. Okay, we took that too far. We took tolerance way too far. Oops. We started tolerating things that normally not going to be tolerated. Not, 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 now. Right, so here in North Ali, Carolina. Ali, real quick, real quick. For those who mm -hmm. don't know, Martin Luther King's right-hand man, all right, his, when I say his right-hand man, do the research. His right-hand man's name was Bayard Rustin, okay? Look up the name Bayard Rustin. The man was arrested, okay, for homosexual acts. That's not the point. The point is there was a point in time where you could be arrested for doing something gay in public, okay, in America, and rightfully so. But you could also be arrested for heterosexual sex in public. Mm -hmm. So it's not a one-sided thing. So my point is, is that there was a time at law where these things were, were criminal. They were lewd acts. Now, it ties in with, with me bringing up Martin Luther King real quick, bro, is because a lot of this movement in civil rights, we're promoted, we were promoted to as Martin Luther King civil rights and, and, you know, civil rights, civil rights. But what we didn't realize was not one flyer said black people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not one, you go back and look at the civil rights march, marches or parades, homosexual happy gay day parades. Bayard Rustin, a gay black man, was at the core of coming up with the idea to stage these marches, hence your gay, your, your gay parades now. So these dots are easy to connect. But my point is, like my brother said, decency has been lost. It, it's indecent to talk about sex around children. No, who disagrees with that? What mentally retarded person disagrees with a six, seven, a, a child under 17, 16, at 15 and 16, you should, you should be becoming developed into learning about what sex is and you should you should be developing your ideas of what a long-term relationship is mm -hmm. at 16 17 15 16 17 you should have time you know what i'm saying to, to be involved and, and you're right the the thing is the problem that i'm having is there's a slippery slope here and people on the left are going to say oh well no you can't equate lgbt with childhood listen you just took a dude who is nothing other than an advocate for the gay sex. That's basically what it is. And you put him on a show and you said, Billy Porter bringing those fierce vibes to Sesame Street. What vibes? <laughs> Why are you duck face, lip kissy facing with Elmo? My problem is, is this. There's no such thing as a gay five-year-old. There's a five-year-old. Why are you, what, what is the justification for bringing, and, and you don't have to justify it to me, I'm saying this in a societal sense. What is the justification for the hyper-sexualization of children? What's the justification for it? Well, when we're selling stuff, we gotta, we gotta get them sexually active earlier so we can sell them this stuff. Well, and, and the last thing I'll kind of touch on, for me at least, with this whole idea of Billy Porter and PBS and, and, and all of this thing is, is look, you can't give up control of your children uh -huh. to Sesame Street. You can't give up control of your children to PBS. You can't be the parent that sits your kid in front of a TV and says, here you go, and leave out the room. I don't blame CBS or I don't blame Billy Porter for, dude, dude you want to wear a dress and sequin shiny? Hey, how about it? You, you makes you happy, go ahead. All I'm simply getting at is, Parents got to be in control. You got to be a parent. No parent worth their salt wants a two, three, four, five-year-old sexualized. And that's the major problem that I have with it. It has nothing to do with Billy Porter being gay, nothing to do with him wearing dresses. Although I think it's a little, you got to be a little mentally unstable. You got, uh, there's a video when y'all get a chance of, and we're dealing with it in North Carolina, of a drag queen dress up story hour. And multiple, multiple states have had issues where these people who are dressing up in drag have walked their narrow tails right into a library knowing they were sex offenders, knowing it. But there's this video in North Carolina 
I, 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 that I saw, and I'm not sure if it's North Carolina, but a bunch of young kids walked into a library and they stood there and they said, drag queens are not for kids. Drag queens are not for kids. Drag, that's where we gotta be at. That's where we have, as, as whether you Democrat, Republican, whatever, if you don't think children should be sexualized, that's where we need to be at. We need to be unifying and bringing standards back to our country. Because that, I'm sorry, that's not a, that's not an American principle. You know, as twisted and as, as much well, you freedom. you got to let people be who they are. Let them be yeah. who they are. The, 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 the <laughs> cultural relativism. He's a what, what's boy, funny, but he's a girl. What's funny is uh, when the, the whole black power thing started to come out publicly, uh, Martin Luther King stood up and he said, there's white people that want to see us free just as much as we want to see us free. So what they were doing back then and in the, in, during that whole civil rights movement, it wasn't the whole solidarity movement that you see now. Right. What it was, was you had groups of people that wanted to see the country progress to where it progressed for all people, all walks of life. Um, and like y'all have already mentioned, we've had gay black civil rights leaders and they weren't putting it out there that, hey, I'm gay, look at me, and I'm black, and nobody can shut me up, and I'm loud about it. It was the country needs to progress in a way where we are accepting of everybody of the human species. You got James Baldwin. James Baldwin, civil rights leader, um, published author, really smart guy. If you haven't read The Fire Next Time, then that's one of the books that he came out with, The Fire Next Time. God gave Noah the rainbow sign. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've already had the waters, the fire next time. It comes from a Negro spiritual, but he named the book after it. So what we have to see is what they're doing is they're forcing the acceptance of people that appears different. It doesn't have to be forced. We've already had civil rights leaders stand up and ensure that everybody in the United States had fair and equal rights. It's happening. Hey, let, me, let me throw something on to that. A lot of people don't know this, but the civil rights movement started exactly 60 years ago this month. I personally work with Clarence Henderson, who was one of the young oh, men wow. who sat at that Woolworth lunch counter in 1960 that started the civil rights movement. I personally work with this brother, and, and I call it a blessing. I call it an honor to work with somebody who literally has impacted every single person in this country. Mm -hmm. And you, the reason why I'm mentioning that is because you said something powerful, bro. By taking a seat at that lunch counter, the brother stood up for everybody. Sometimes, and, and now the thing is, Clarence is a Republican. He became he switched from Democrat to Republican. He's been at the White House twice. He was honored last year at Black History Month by President Trump. And we'll be back at the White House in Feb at the end of this month to go again. Uh, we, like I said, we'll be with him and Clarence and President Trump uh, uh, Friday here in Charlotte. But the idea that those brothers had at that day, like, listen, I am a man and you will treat me equally as such. Uh -huh. What I do behind closed doors in my house is my business. But on this public, I'm going to be able to walk into this restaurant and eat. And Clarence says this all the time. He goes, yo, I wasn't even hungry when I sat at that lunch counter. I wasn't <laughs> sitting there because I was hungry. You know? So I, I think that people need to remember, and we, those of us whose freckles are as close together as ours, have to remember this stuff. We got to remember, you know, slavery wasn't that long ago. Jim Crow wasn't that. There, there are people alive right now that grew up in Jim Crow. Uh -huh. And we can't lose that. Last thing I'll say to that is, is this. There's a, uh, one of the guys, that my, my wife is a um, late stage Alzheimer's. She takes care of those guys. And one of the, uh, you know, they was talking to one of her clients and the guy's like, you know, we're losing a generation of people that had intrinsic values like patriotism, like concern for your neighbor. As a and and the 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 I guess the anecdotal evidence will be this: Watch the average person when their car breaks down on the side of the road. How long it takes before somebody stops to help? Oh, it's it's insane. So 
I'm just saying that with this whole idea of liberalism and progressivism and, and you know, if progress is, is drag queens and libraries, if progress is, you know, sexualizing children, if progress is prejudging people, you're a white man, so you don't know this. Evan, since you're a European Jew, you don't you can't relate to my struggle. You know, if that's progress, I don't want it. I'm good on that. And Tack, you said something very important, which I really wanted to say, and then you stole it from me. <laughs> acceptance. It's not about tolerance. And I saw this when I was in high school with we used to have the gay straight alliance. And they it was about forced acceptance because it's not about tolerance. Tolerance is me not caring what you do and not beating you up for being gay. Acceptance is me celebrating you for being gay. And they didn't want tolerance. They wanted acceptance, and that's what they've been pushing. And that's why they wow. push this stuff on kids. Because if you get them when they're young, it's ingrained in them. And that is where they're going with this. And it's really disgusting. It's great. When I had Ricky Rebel on, he said drag queen story hour is one of the most disgusting things that he has ever seen. He's a bisexual man. He's very flamboyant. If you don't know who Ricky Rebel is, look him up. Okay? He, he is not like any of us sitting here. He is very out there. He's a musician. You know, he's... He's very out there. He does what he needs to do. If you didn't see what he wore to the Grammys, look it up. But he said, you know, drag queen culture is not for kids. Nothing against drag queens, but it's not for kids. Sexuality is not for kids. Nah, you know what's crazy? I said, bro, I said in one of my records, um, and y'all can look me up. I got a a song, um, and I said, I acknowledge what you talk, but I don't have to respect it. All right? There's this thing where you have to respect everyone. No, you don't. You do not have to respect everyone. You have to acknowledge everyone. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge that you think this. I reserve the right to say that's bat crap crazy. I reserve the right to say, no, I don't respect that you da 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 da. So this culture of, of self-esteem, this culture of, of everyone's to be respected. No, I don't respect thieving crackheads. I don't respect pedophiles. I don't res- I don't I don't respect rap mumble rappers. I don't respect I don't respect it's just things I don't respect. I got an album coming out called the Anti Skinny Jeans LP. So there's <laughs> there's certain things I don't respect. I acknowledge that they exist, right? Even certain religious views. I don't respect them. I acknowledge them. Now now double edged sword, I don't disrespect them. See the difference? So I don't respect it, but I don't dis respect it. I acknowledge it. Remain biased. Okay, that's your thing. Great. I'm not here to debate with everybody because unless we're in a circumstance where I'm teaching you something or there's no reason for me to debate. So so my thing is like, I acknowledge that there's LGBTQ, whatever that is. I don't respect it. I acknowledge it. Uh, I don't promote it. I don't, I don't promote anti-LGBTQ because then I would be promoting LGBTQ like by default. So when you have that type of logical thinking, I think that's what we're missing. We're missing these simple, uh, uh, non-emotional responses to reality, where it's like, I, I acknowledge you said that, don't respect it, now we're going to move forward. You know what I'm saying? And yo, just the last tag on that. LGBTQRSWXY and Z is not the new black. We got to get that out the way. It's not the new black, yo. It's not the same thing. You can't help how you were born, but you can definitely help or, or deal with your own behavior. So I just needed to get that in there. That's not the new black, y'all. Yep. All right, guys, if you could tell everyone where they can find you on social media and otherwise so they can check out your show. I got you. All right. Uh, for, and, you know, I want to thank you guys for having us on. Um, we want to bring you guys back over on our joint, too. Tack, you missed the other one, so we got to get I you did. on. But you can find us on Facebook at The Urban Conservative. You can find us on Instagram at The Urban Conservative. Uh, you, if you want, you can. Uh, what do we? We Instagram the Urban Conservative, Twitter the Urban Conservative. Just, just come to come to our Facebook page, tuconservative at gmail.com If you want to get in touch with us, uh, follow the podcast, of course. Uh, so I, I can be found on Facebook at Raheem R A H E E M Architect R K I T E C H Soto or Raheem Soto, and of course you can find my twin brother at A D D U L Ali on Facebook, A L I on Facebook. Um, and shout out to the whole Southampton Town GOP. Uh, super big shout out to the uh, Empire State Conservatives. Make sure you support these guys. Hey, and the last thing I want to tag on to that is 
if you like what you hear on the Urban Conservative Podcast and you like what you hear on formats like this, you got to support us financially. So you, you'll go to our website. You'll see on our Facebook page, you'll see our PayPal there. You'll see our Cash App link. Make sure you get up there and support us. Support conservative podcasts and formats like this because this is the way that we're going to actually keep our country and keep what belongs to everybody, which is that American dream of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 100%. Couldn't say it better myself. Guys, if you like this episode, make sure you share, like, subscribe, rate, all that stuff. Remember, listen to us on podcast platforms. We get money every time somebody listens to us. Make sure you check out our store, EmpireStateConcernNetwork.com slash store. We have this Trump hat. We have tax shirt. We have my shirt. We have everything on there. It is guaranteed to make a liberal cry. I 100% guarantee you will see tears coming out of their face, guys. Make sure you follow TAC on Instagram at Solomon Tack. That's two A's and a C. There is no K in TAC. Follow us at Get Red Pilled NY. And as always, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. And don't let fear take your freedom. Peace. Hey.